lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings, happy Thursday, and welcome to the Steve Day Show. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. And if you would like to join us, we'd love to have you with us. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, steve at stevedace.com. That's the email address, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Or you can choose to go the route of the free speech alternative to those platforms. Look for Steve Dace on Gab, MeWe, and also on Parler. Follow me at Steve Dace there. Um, I guess, I don't know, we were talking yesterday, we only get like, you know, five to 10,000 views, right? Every episode on YouTube when we put it up there. there, Okay, so what's the point in dealing with their censors? I I must have been emailed by everybody that uh, all five to 10,000 of the people that watch the show on YouTube in the last 24 hours, I think they have all emailed me. I had somebody somebody send me a DM on Twitter from Ghana. There you go. Well, where's the show? uh, Again, if you weren't paying attention yesterday, uh, YouTube is censoring us. Uh, They don't like all the truth we're telling right now about COVID fascism. Uh, So is it a week, a month? I mean, I don't care if we ever go back up on YouTube, but do you know how long it is, Aaron? Uh, It's going to be another six days, I think. Okay, yeah. So we're in YouTube jail. So that's why, folks, that's why you need to subscribe. Um, They're just going to do this to all of us eventually. Okay, I mean, that's just the reality of the world in which we live. So uh, to make sure you can avoid getting up one day and today it's YouTube tomorrow. It might be iTunes. Who knows? Amazon, Spotify, who knows? Uh, you can subscribe today at blaze tv.com slash dace. That's blaze tv.com slash dace. Uh, and that's how you're going to make sure you get a discounted subscription. You're going to make sure you get every episode that we and everybody else here at the blaze does each and every day. Now there is a free speech alternative to YouTube and that's rumble. Uh, you can try us there if you'd like rumble.com slash Steve Dace show and the past couple of days I've actually posted the rumble link to the show all right so rumble.com slash Steve Dace show some breaking news uh, that won't make Aaron's montage that uh, I want to address because it also ties into a new partner we have here on the show you know the mainstream media we went through this last fall was working tirelessly to uh, to bury the Hunter Biden story uh, we we had congressional hearings on this, if you'll recall, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was about the laptop and then his behavior, what was on the laptop, text messages, things of that nature. So if 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 your if your name is Rebel Yell or whatever the hell that chick's name was, and you are uh, in the ninth ring of hell in the federal bureaucracy, uh, you can call up some reporter at the New York Times, Washington Post, be an <clears throat> anonymous source and make any claim you want and get on the front page of, of major American newspapers, right? Mm-hmm. But if you actually have the hard evidence, the actual texts, the actual people who were texted, <laughs> what was that one guy's name that's the military guy that was doing the events before the election? Oh. I can't even remember his name now, all right? So if you have the texts, the actual guy who was texted comes forth. Bobolinsky. Thank you. Uh, Tony Bobolinsky. Thank you. And you've got the laptop. If, if you have the hard evidence, though, that's dangerous. You've got to be banned. You're out of here. 
Why do you think I'm wearing out the Jordan Shrugging gif? Indeed. That's why. Okay. Um, And now we're finding out, you know, we found out a couple days ago, another lone wolf that our FBI, uh, while they're busy bearing organizations like Oath Keepers on, frankly, just made up charges, uh, don't have time again to deal with another lone wolf crazed shooter, right? Yet another one. Now you can add the Secret Service to that list. Uh, intervening in a case where Hunter Biden was allegedly attempting to buy a gun illegally. So, I mean, uh, or owned a gun illegally. So there you go. Uh, that's another, uh, you know what? At this point, the, it would be a shorter TED talk. If you told me what institutions in America we could actually trust. That's true. Okay. Totally because, true. I mean, I, and I think we're going to fit those into the old Twitter when it was, was 180 characters, the old one was. I think you'd easily fit it in. Can you name one institution, by I, the way? I, just I, one? In fact, I could not. No. If you forced me to, I, I could not come up with one. I only didn't say there isn't one because then I knew I'd get seven emails pointing out the one that we could trust. Okay. <laughs> but in my view, the list is un paquito and that's why we need uh the filmmakers behind the gosnell movie they've announced a brand new project called my son hunter that will expose the hunter biden scandal you can learn more about it at my that's my this movie's going to tell it all hunter's wild escapades the contents of the laptop the shady foreign business deals uh all of the ties to china and more but these independent filmmakers need our help to make this movie happen because, you know, Hollywood doesn't want it to occur. That's why they're bringing their film directly to the people funded by people like us. Your gift of $10, $20, $50, $100 or more will expose the most corrupt family in American politics right now or at least since the Clintons. And your donation is also 100% tax deductible. Just go to MySonHunterMovie.com right now. That's MySonHunterMovie.com right now to make your donation. And if you were on the fence about whether to do this or not, today's news involving the Secret Service could probably put you over the edge. All right, coming up on the program today, we're going to put two segments together next hour i mentioned last week that i wanted to kind of have a few weeks of encouragement for uh theology thursday given some of the darker subject matter we've tackled there in recent months uh a message that was recently preached at my home church uh was both very convicting but also very encouraging i'm going to share that message with the audience today you're going to hear that for theology thursday and then Aaron is going to ask Todd, you and I, three questions about our thoughts on that message. So that's coming up next hour. All right. Uh, At the bottom of this hour, Alex Berenson is going to join us. We're going to get his thoughts. He's got another new COVID book, I think, just got released this week at at Amazon, I believe. And I think it looks at some of the early vaccine data. So we're going to talk to Alex about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by your new assistant secretary of health at the Department of Health and Human Services.
And that's what happened while we were away. Um, was that a moment of reflection, Aaron, or on, on this story and its symbolism or a moment of silence for America? Which one yes. was it? Yes. Yeah. No matter what else was in the news, and there was quite a bit, that does sum it all up, doesn't it? It, it sums everything up. You know, I was thinking of a new book, a dystopian novel about a clearly mentally ill, affected with gender dysphoria, mental illness, a newly appointed health minister. And in his previous job before this appointment, he actually ordered senior citizens to their deaths at nursing homes while making sure he got his mom out first. Remember? Okay. Making sure he got his mom out first. And then I think his state ranked in the bottom five worst states in the union for elderly vaccination during a pandemic. I thought that would make for a great, shall we say, nefarious plot for a dystopian novel. But then I just thought, Todd, it's way too far-fetched. No one's going to go for that, right? It's, it's just, that's just crazy. No, no one would believe no one would believe that that would occur. It's just, it's just crazy talk. So I'm going to punt. Mm, I don't know. Let's consult some uh, legal scholars and see if it'll uh, fly. I think we should get Christine Ohm's take on this. I, I want us to park on this story. Because this isn't a story. It's a tombstone. Yep. It is a tomb stone. If a picture says a thousand words, this one says a lot more than that. Um... It, it says some words that have been previously written in a best-selling book. Like one of them might be the wrath of God has been revealed upon mankind. Like that's one of the lines in one of its more potent chapters, more um, intellectually difficult books within that it contains. Um, this is insane and he's not even good at his job this isn't an appointment it is a troll it's a troll of you your way of life yes yes it is a troll of those things But when Saul is confronted with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, on his way to persecute covenant believers, when Christ confronts him, he doesn't say, why are you going to confront these, or going to persecute these people? He asks him, 
why are you persecuting me? See, this isn't a troll. It's much more than that, of just you and me. This is a fist shake at the most powerful being in the universe. It would be one thing if this individual was both capable at his job, and yes, he's a he. It would be one thing if this individual was both capable at his job and also suffering from a form of mental illness. But he's not good at his job. He's a mini Andrew Cuomo. He also sent the elderly infected with COVID-19 back into the long-term care facilities in Pennsylvania. He did it as well. After removing his mother. After removing his mother. Made sure to get her out. He's not just crazy. He is. He needs counseling and prayer for his mental illness. But beyond that, even if he was still, what was his original name? Richard? Robert? I Richard. Believe. Yeah. Even if he still went by Richard Levine, he belongs in prison. He's a fiend. He implemented a policy that sent people, I don't know, maybe somebody like your grandmother, your grandfather, to their deaths. He has no qualifications for this job. No accomplishments at all. His only qualification and accomplishment that merits such a promotion is that he's a symbol of a spirit of the age that laughs at you, mocks you. You've been spending the last few days figuring out how can, what are the nuances of what Christy Nome is doing in South Dakota and how can I explain them away? <laughs> Nuance. Well, it's just a tactical, strategic difference. I've been trying to tell you. There is no strategy. There isn't one. Take it from the guy who wrote a fairly definitive book on political strategy. There isn't one. There is only cultural survival. There will be no outwitting this. You cannot outwit insanity. There will be no outmaneuvering. There will be no clever court argument. There's no way out but through. It doesn't matter if you don't think this is the hill to die on. Because this is the hill America's going to die on if not confronted. That's the point of this. This guy's insane. And he also sent somebody's grandparents to their deathbed. He belongs in prison getting counseling and prayer for his mental illness while facing accountability for his actions. Instead, he's a symbol. There's nothing noble about this. It's not, well, I'm not comfortable with his lifestyle, but he's good at, no, it's not even that. He's not any good. He's not good. He's bad. Very bad. Very bad at his job. And people died, except his mom, who he made sure to save first. Why would he do that? Did he suspect something wasn't right about what he was doing? Did he suspect there was at least a little bit of risk inherent in the decision he was making? But he's more important than you. His mom, therefore, more important than yours. 
There's nothing good about this. It ranks somewhere from insane to insanely wicked. This isn't the mob outside of Lot's house. This is the mob, the mob outside of Lot's house has grabbed the microphone. They're singing psalms now. And it's only poetic or serendipitous, cosmic, hmm, providential. That this occurs on the exact same day a dementia-riddled president of the United States says that women can do anything a man can do as good or better. Which is clearly testified by the shorter tee boxes for female golfers, the lack of women nose tackles in the NFL, the lack of women slam dunk champions in the NBA. The fact that the incessantly whiny Megan Rapino does the woman do, what does she do? In her spare time, she plays soccer. Full-time, she's a professional whiner. Come back to me, though, when you didn't lose to a bunch of boys who weren't yet eligible for a driver's license, because you did. The best women's soccer team in the world that we've ever had lost to a team of 15 and unders, okay? But yeah, women can do anything men can do, but better, except all the times that they can't. By the way, what's a woman... Can someone answer me that question? Can someone, you know, the president is going to have his, uh, it's what, day 60 some odd in office, finally his first press conference today with handpicked media, therefore probably handpicked questions. Could somebody slip through the question, Mr. President, what's a woman? And if women can do anything you can do better than you, I believe, sir, you have a female vice president. Why are you using your patriarchy to hold her back? If she can do this job as good or by your own testimony, better than you, sir, resign now and let America have the best of the best. Why are you giving us your male mediocrity, sir? Give us the female empowerment, not to mention she can probably climb a damn flight of stairs without tripping thrice. No, women cannot do everything a man can do as good or better. And neither can a man do everything that a woman can do as good or better. Both made in the image of God, both given, therefore, equal value and inherent worth, but not given the same characteristics, trademarks, skills, talents, abilities, etc., This isn't just evil, it's really dumb. Like, really dumb. And some of you want to search for a nuanced political strategy. Well, Steve, there's got to be a way, Steve, that we can do this and not run afoul of the corporate America and CAA so we can host events. And then there's got to be a way, Steve, we can do this. That will the bill will go through whatever we do. The Supreme Court will say yes. I watched a screener copy of the Roe v. Wade movie last night. It hasn't come out yet. 
And I applaud them for the honesty in the film. Because the film shows where we blew this from the very beginning. They literally were arguing at the very beginning at National Right to Life. We got to take God out of this. Brilliant. I mean, I mean, if there's anything you don't need in an argument about the inherent value and beginning of life, which you clearly don't need, is the author of all life. And why would you? Why would we consult him? Any, any idea what what would his opinion be needed for? Do you have any clue? Or I can't connect those. Yeah, dots, neither can Steve. I. It's blurry. Then they went there without the benefit of modern science, like ultrasound technology. They went there and argued a bunch of philosophical gobbledygook and got their ass kicked at both the Texas Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court. Destroyed. Because there's there's clearly a clever there's clearly a clever legal maneuver. Clearly. Clearly you can get into the arena with someone who says, you know what? I think we should come up with a great way for moms to kill their own children. And there's clearly a way to say to that, um, interesting premise, let's discuss. No, there's not! There is not. There's no way out. Everyone within the sound of my voice, please hear me. You won't get out of your homes until you tell Anthony Fauci no. This won't stop whatever literal in the hell that is behind over my shoulder. Won't stop until you stop it. There isn't a way out. How many times? How many delegations? Jefferson, Franklin, Adams. How many delegations did we send to King George? Clearly, the Mad King just, we haven't found the way to reason with him yet. There's no reasoning with tyranny. There's no reasoning with insanity. There's no reasoning with this. It has to be confronted and defeated. There will not be a way around. Now, maybe if we just exempt, exempt all the college athletes, it'll be okay. Then they'll come back to you and say, yeah, thank you, we'll take those. And then we'll go ahead and have some 18-year-old in your high school ranks who you won't let them cut their balls off and we'll come back for the rest of the kids too. Thank you very much. It's funny watching them up there arguing at Roe v. Wade that it's just for listening to Walter Cronkite tell the nation. This is only for the first trimester of abortions. They actually played the clip in the movie when I watched it on the Roe v. Wade movie. When the whole time they're arguing for abortion on demand. What do we have now? Abortion on demand. It was all a lie. Everything was a lie at the beginning. So is this. Some of you looking at my email want to make the exact same mistakes with this we've made before. Because some of you have made the determination that your political party, your political hero, your political relevance matters most to you. You lost the country. We lost the country with this. We have no hills we'll die on. They will die on any hill. Any hill. We have none. We will die on none. 
And now we have a mentally ill health minister who sent your grandparents to their death while he got his mom out. And the seniors that made it out alive lag behind the rest of the country in vaccinations. But you're right. You're right. I'm sure Jonathan Turley, who's not even one of us, but hey, he's on Fox News, so it's okay. I'm sure he gave Christy Nome some master strategy class on how to outwit, outlast, outsmart all of this. There isn't a way, folks. Here's the way. You ready? I'm going to give you the way right here, right now. This is how it ends. Ready? No. That's how it ends. No. No. No, we're not going to do that. No. No, I'm not imposing. I was ecstatic to see the Ninth Circuit Court yesterday try to take down the Second Amendment. I'll explain why in the overtime today. Because I used to say to those of you that want to surrender their courts, well, okay, the day that they say the Second Amendment doesn't matter, just turn in your guns. You guys probably heard me make those arguments back in the day, right? Yeah. Well, the day's here now. Man, gosh. My man nips got hard when I saw that story. I was so aroused. Yeah. Finally. Let's, let's get busy living or get busy dying. Enough pussyfooting around here. Let's get right to it. So my next question for governors like Nome. Okay, I guess. Hey, do you impose the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling on your people then? I guess tomorrow. I guess no more public carry in South Dakota or anywhere else. Right, right, right. That's the game, right? Sure. Right? I mean, we couldn't possibly just say it with me now. All of you and in the sound of my voice, repeat after me. No. No. Nope. Not doing it. But thanks. Ohio legislature yesterday told Mike DeWine, no. They told him no last week. He vetoed the bill. They overrode his veto yesterday. No. Gosh, I love the word no. I love it. Love it. Be a parent of three teenagers, and I promise you, promise you. You and the wife will have fantastic date nights when you learn to master the word no. Can I get a witness on that, Todd? Amen. No is a fun word. No. No. Instead, our answer has been, Oh no! Oh, maybe. Oh, I mean, that's hard. Oh, I mean, we need those extra five hundred jobs from Amazon. Oh no! I don't know, man. I mean, God, I mean, Microsoft's gonna, you know, put uh, employ two hundred people here. I mean, I don't know. I'm ecstatic to see Democrats raising taxes on the rich. Those are their voters now. Commence O Festival. Punish your people. I don't care. Yeah, it's terrible economic policy, but we don't have an economic policy anyway. So go ahead, tax the rich all you want. They're your voters now anyway. They hate me. They're the ones that are out there propagating the cultural rot gut at the corporate level by all means. Feel free to tax your own base. I don't care. I don't care. I don't make more than $200,000 a year. Go for it. Those are your voters now. Those are your Karens now. All yours. Tax the literal hell out of them. Tell them to write the check out to Rachel Levine, care of the U.S. Treasury Department. There is no other strategy, folks. There's none other. There's not a nuance. 
There's just a refusal. The answer is no. No. Until enough of us are willing to say no, they're going to keep behaving as if it's always yes. So let's close this segment out the way we began it. Aaron, let's let's put that face back up. The new face of America. The the picture of America. Get a, in this final minute of this segment. Just take a nice of that long, tall drink a sip of water right there. Bow to your new god. Bow to your new idol. Bow to your new truth. Accept your reward in full. Enjoy your nuance and strategy. Boy, we could probably all use something to help us wind down after that opening segment of the show. Uh, Thankfully, we've got world-class wine, which has a lot of good uh, health qualities to it as well, but from a company whose values are the same as yours. Our friend, our friends over at Patriot Wine, um, their red wine, uh, which is uh, from extreme altitudes in Argentina. How about, you know, grapes that are grown at 9,000 feet, fed off of pure snow, snow melt, no excess chemicals, no additives, dyes, or anything, or, or excess sugars added to the wine. Uh, you'll taste some blackberry, leather, smoke, dark cherry. All three of us here on the show have tried a bottle of this, and it lives up to the hype. This is really, really good wine. Getting into grilling season here now, uh, a good, good red wine goes great with a good piece of red meat like a steak or a burger. Uh, the guys over at Patriot Wine want to help you. Uh, and so right now, from the one of the third highest vineyards in the world, you can get 50% off if you go to Patriot Wine 2021 today. Up to 50% off from one of the highest vineyards in the world. Great foreign imported wine for 50% off today at Patriot Wine 2021.com. Again, that's Patriot Wine 2021.com. All right, let's bring in one of the OGs here when it comes to pushing back on whatever in the Sam Hill this last year has been. Alex Berenson, good to have you back on the show, brother. How are you? Steve, thanks so much for having me. So, Alex, let's uh, let's transition from the, the lockdown data, because I think that argument's actually been won. Uh, and I think the argument now is about how much longer to wear masks and, and where are we at with the vaccines? I've been following your research on this and, and the research of others. If, if you were given one tweet, if, if, if Twitter Jack came to you and said, all right, Alex, I'm going to give you one tweet to sum up all of everything you think about vaccines. We won't censor a word of it. Okay. You get one tweet to sum up everything you have discovered in the research you have done on the COVID vaccination efforts. What would be in that one tweet just to kind of give us a big picture view of, of what you have found? Uh, the side effects are worse than uh, than has been admitted, and the efficacy of the vaccine uh, is is a, is significantly less than that ninety five percent headline figure uh, overall. How old are you? 
Uh, I'm I'm 48. All right, so 48. 95 percent of the deaths of co- from uh, with COVID in America have been people 50 and above. All right, you're a little bit older than me. You're right on the dividing line there. Okay, would you or have you gotten the COVID vaccine? I haven't gotten any of them. I don't really have any interest in getting them. Uh, unfortunately, it's you know they're not going to be mandated in the sense that you have to take this or we're going to break down the door of your house. Uh, but they, they, you know, we're moving towards a sort of quasi mandating of them where it's going to be very hard to function. Uh, you know, if 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 the governments or big companies have their way without having proof of vaccination, you're probably going to have to get tested all the time uh, if you you know, if you don't get if you don't get vaccinated. And the irony is that's going to be true even if you have proof that you had covid and recovered, um, even though there's really no evidence that the vaccines are superior to natural immunity. There's an argument about that and you can argue either side of it. But uh but there's no there's no real strong evidence they're better than natural immunity. So, um, uh, look, the, the idea there's this sort of apocalyptic view of the vaccines that comes from, you know, these people who are generally called anti-vaxxers um, where, you know, maybe this is part of a plot to make everybody infertile or, uh, you know, um, uh, I mean, in the in the craziest versions of it, you know, there's a computer chip in it. There's all this nonsense about that. That is not my position. OK. Um, and, and I and, and and there are some real but very very highly speculative risks that I don't think are worth spending that much time about either because they are so unlikely. There's this idea that maybe the vaccines, um, if you you know if you get sick much later with COVID, it's going to be much worse. There's a, because theoretically there's a, this chance of what's called antibody dependent enhancement, mm-hmm. but there's no real evidence for that either. Um, but on the flip side. 98% of the media, just as you know, they weren't willing to question the, you know, the need for lockdowns or whether school closures made sense until very recently. Um, and, you know, and the entire public health establishment is not asking the right questions about the vaccines based on real evidence, real evidence from the clinical trials, real evidence uh, from the, the, you know, the pretrial research, not just of the these vaccines, but of the uh, platform generally that was used to make them. And these have been sold as sort of a fait accompli when they are an incredibly new technology that, that had never before been used outside of relatively small clinical trials that I'm talking about the mRNA vaccines that, um, you know, are now being given to people by the millions and tens of millions. And we're seeing uh, you know, lots and lots of bad side effect reports. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think that these issues are being talked about. Now, if you're if you're if you're in your 70s or your 80s, COVID is pretty high risk for you. Mm-hmm. And the vaccines probably make sense for you, um, even though even though you can have side effects, too. And even though they do seem to make they seem to make everybody more vulnerable to infection in the week or two after you receive the first dose. And, there, you know, there, there's reasons for that. But I think when you look at the data broadly, it's pretty hard to argue that anymore. Um uh, but even with that, you're going to want to be vaccinated probably because you don't want to get COVID because there's a real risk of dying. On the on the on the complete other side of the spectrum, I don't know why any children would be encouraged to get this vaccine. Uh, you know, again, given the fact that it's that it's you know really an experimental technology and that children are at such low risk from COVID, as we know. Uh, and so and so then there's the group of us who are sort of adults in the middle who might be sort of 30 to 60, 30 to 70. 
And, you know, I think it sort of depends on how healthy you are, what your tolerance for risk with COVID versus the vaccine is. You know you're going to have some side effects with this vaccine, or you don't know, but the odds are pretty high. You're going to have some, you're going to have a couple miserable days. Now, not everybody has it, but a lot of people do. And so, you know, with COVID, you might have nothing at all, or, you know, you rarely, but it does happen, you might get very sick. And so I think I think these decisions should be left to individuals in, consul- in consultation with doctors. And I don't think these vaccines should be sold as the, you know, the solution to all our problems, which is sort of how they've been sold. And, you know, from my point of view, the problem is that is appealing to both the people who were terrified last year, who just want this to be over and see the vaccines as the answer. Mm-hmm. And people like you and me who are much better aware of the real risks, but who are tired of arguing about lockdowns and masks and everything else and want the vaccine, whether or not it really works, because they just want we just want to go back to normal. And if this is what the other side needs to get there, so be it to me. That's not a good argument in favor of doing this. We really need to look at what the real efficacy is and what the real dangers are. Um, I, I get this, the skepticism around uh, vaccination programs, why people have some of those skepticisms. I understand it. But I also understand that these are publicly traded companies. It's, got, it's not doing Pfizer, Moderna any good to poison a whole bunch of people and, ha- and, 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 and screw with people's long-term uh, health systems and things of that nature. So you've got, you've got dueling, D-U-E-L, dueling vested interest on both sides of this debate. I, I think the number one driver of this, the number one driver to rush through these trials, to rush these uh, products, these experimental products to market, is just frankly, Alex. I just think there's a bunch of 35 to 50 year old white suburbanites that just weren't ever going to leave their 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 cul-de-sacs or brownstones and go back to the theater and back to the ball games again if we didn't do this. That's what I really think is the driving force here. Well, yeah, I mean, I, they're not all 35-year-old white suburbanites, but there, there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of scared people out there. There's been people who've been watching too much MSNBC and too much, uh, you know, too much CNN, and they don't know what the real risks are. And when you look at how Americans, um, you know, say what the risks are of COVID, you know, to the, to themselves and to the society, they vastly overestimate the risks. Uh, you know, there's a survey from USC showing that people under 40 think they have a 12% chance of dying right. of COVID. Right. And that I mean, that that is so far wrong. It's you know, it's not it's not even in the same uh, time zone, much less zip code. Let me let me let me throw one other thing. I just I don't I, I think I forgot to mention this. I so I have spent the last three months writing a new unreported truths booklet, which just came out yesterday um, about the vaccines. It's unreported truths. Part four. It's about vaccines and you can get it on Amazon or Apple or BNN. And I don't say that just to plug you know, unreported truths, although obviously now I'm getting a lot of questions from people asking me for this. Yes. And, and I've been so fixated on the mask battle uh, that I've just kind of let other people like you uh, follow on this. And so, yeah, this is a tool that I think a lot of people in our audience would, would yeah, want to get access it to. It doesn't say, hey, if you get vaccinated, you're going to turn into a zombie. Right. It just says, here are the problems with how quickly we moved. And here are some of the side effects that we have seen. And I, I hope in the same way that the lockdowns booklet, I mean, this one's actually the longest of all of them, and probably going to sell the least of all of them. But, uh, you know, because it, it is a topic that people just don't want to touch. Um, in the same way that the lockdowns booklet part two really was a resource for people who wanted to understand the history of lockdowns and how we got here. Um, this one, I think, will give you, uh, you know, evidence as to, as to why it's right to be concerned about these vaccines, even if you're not, 
you know, even if you're not terrified um, and even if, you know, even if the, the risks are more sort of side effect related than apocalyptic. Um, and I would I would just push back on you on one thing, which is, yes, these are publicly traded companies. They also have complete immunity from any da- you know, any damage. That now, their share price does not, though. That's why I mentioned the publicly traded. They have legal yes. immunity. Yes. But their share prices do not. But yeah, you know, right. listen, I covered the drug industry for The New York Times for a number of years. And what happens, what can happen? These companies never set out to do any harm. They want to do good. But, uh, you know, sometimes they come upon problems with their products sort of late in the game after a lot of money has been invested. And it's very hard for them to make an honest assessment of what those risks and benefits are because they have so much money mm-hmm. in and oftentimes Wall Street is waiting for a new you know, drug or vaccine for them and they know their stock price can go down. That's why we have independent regulatory agencies that you know have the final word on whether or not a drug or a vaccine can be sold. But unfortunately, this time around, both in Europe and the U.S., these companies are not the companies. They, they were the, the the regulators were under incredible political pressure and media pressure. It wasn't the companies that forced them their hand. It was the media and politicians. And it was you know it wasn't just Donald Trump or just Joe Biden. It was really everybody. Everybody. Yep. I mean, listen, the president, the former president, this is his crowning achievement of his presidency. If you listen to him talk now. All right. So I've got three minutes, but I have two questions I want. I got to ask you before we let you go. Okay. Uh, First question. This is is a true or false. As as we get real time data of these vaccines, they appear to work better as prophylactics against severe infections that lead to deaths and hospitalizations than actual inoculations against any infection. Is that true um, or false? I would say false. I'd say the okay. opposite is true. That that that's sort of been sold as a myth because people do continue to get, some people do continue to get infected because they don't reduce, uh, you know, they don't they don't provide complete immunity to everybody. Um, the truth is, you can look at Israel and you can see. Um, you know, that there were hundreds of deaths after the first dose in people who were in uh, of COVID, I'm talking about, uh, in people who got the first dose. Israel's the country. The reason I pointed them is because they have the most complete data right now and they've, uh, uh, you know, inoculated the most people. And you see deaths after the second dose. There's good reason to believe that this would be the case because older people are the people who get the sickest from COVID tend to have a weaker immune response to vaccines. And we know this from the flu vaccine. And so um, it's not at all surprising that there are some people out there who just don't benefit from the vaccine and wind up dying from COVID. I, you know, it's not necessarily a huge number, but actually if your immune system is robust and you know, you're, you're healthy and you get through the vaccine side effects, then you're probably pretty well protected from COVID. So, uh, you know, this idea that it's zero deaths or zero severe cases is, is absolutely not true. Finally, if you had to get one of these, which one would you know, it be? I, I don't want the mRNA vaccines. I, you know, I had been saying I thought J&J was a better alternative. Unfortunately, what's happened with AstraZeneca, which is a very similar technology to J&J, has kind of, you know, that should worry anybody. Um, and so right now, I, look, I, I don't want to get any of these vaccines until I see more safety data. And, and that may change. Um, if you made me, if you said you have to get one vaccine, I think I'd go with J&J because it's one dose. Um, but... I'm hoping that we'll have more alternatives and we'll have more safety data and we'll be able to make more informed choices about this. And again, what's right for me might not be right for my mother or for you or for your kids or for my kids. My ultimate point on this is this is a personal decision and it shouldn't be mandated. Real quick, tell us again about the new book uh, on this and where people can get it. Unreported Truths Part 4, Vaccines. 
Uh, you can get it from Amazon. You can get it from BNN. You can get it from Apple. And there's a there's a paperback version from Amazon right now. I know people. A lot of people seem to like the paperback, even though it costs more, because that way they know they have it. They can show it to other people, and they know that you know if Amazon gets mad, they can't wipe it out. And so, uh, so yes, um, unreported truths part four. And uh, you know, I hope wherever you stand on vaccines, you'll read it because I think it it does. It hopefully will provide some background. Great stuff, Alex. Appreciate your ongoing work here. And uh, again, for appearing on the show. All right, take care. Talk soon, Steve. Thanks. You, you got it. All right, thoughts on the conversation we just had with Alex Berenson? Uh, my fandom continues to grow. Steve, as you know, I've been talking with you usually off air, sometimes on air, way before we ever heard of a COVID about vaccination. Have I, do I sound more like Alex Berenson or the guy he talks about with uh, injecting microchips and things like that? Have, who? You sound more like Alex. Yeah. Exactly. Because this this isn't about conspiracy theories. It's about common sense, asking reasonable questions, personal autonomy. Uh, and, and if we can have those conversations in the middle of COVID, we can certainly have them all the time about who gets to decide what about something as invasive as this. I can't continue to thank somebody like Alex Berenson enough for taking the time under so much pressure and with so much hate come in his direction because i know what it's like to continue to do the work he does it's incredibly valuable yeah and just to kind of reiterate my overall uh, position on on vaccines it's a little bit different on this one just because um it's still early i would put myself in the camp of alex um you know just need more data Uh, this is not an fda approved these are not fda approved vaccines so by nature, they are ex- experimental. Um, I would need more data if I were in a high-risk group, but because I'm not, I'll I'll take my chances with natural immunity. My immune system is fairly good, um, and so I, I'll take my chances with that because I'm in an age group that I really don't need this. I really don't need this vaccine. Um, but but at the end of the day, with this one or any others whatsoever, um, if you can't look me in the eye and guarantee me that this is going to be 100% safe, you can't do that with any vaccine, guys, Um, then you need to have some grace for people who have their doubts. For one reason or or another, if you cannot guarantee 100% safety, then you need to have some grace. Now, how much grace? That's But you need to have some. Uh, Unfortunately, there are too many people who look to science as the answer, as the savior, as the solution, and vaccines as a part of that, who have zero grace and think that you want to kill grandma or kids or whoever because you have questions, you have concerns, you have criticisms. That should never be me. It really shouldn't ever be any of us. We'll come back. Theology Thursday coming your way to lead off hour two. An encouraging message shared at my home church recently. I'm going to share it with the rest of you when we come back. And we're back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre todd erzin and all of you let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com that's the email address d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve day show and if you prefer the free speech alternatives to those platforms just look for steve dace on gab me we at steve dace on parlor sorry we're in youtube jail Tried warning you. That's why you want to subscribe to Blaze TV because sooner or later we're going to be in everybody's jail. All right. 
Uh, but we're in YouTube jail. Can't post any content there. So um, you can subscribe at blazetv.com slash dace. Get a discounted subscription today so you don't miss anything. Or uh, try rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener, thank you. We appreciate you. Please, though, show your appreciation for us. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on whichever platform, especially iTunes, that you happen to access uh, the podcast through. Uh, We would appreciate that because it helps the show to grow and it helps impress the people who pay our bills down in Dallas. So thank you very much to all of you that have done those things already. You know, we've been talking about rough greens on the show here for quite a while now. It's a powder that you sprinkle over your pet's food. That's a supplement for your dog. We humans, we've got supplements these days because they're taking so much of the good stuff out of our foods these days. The vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, omega oils, uh, pre, probiotics. Why do they do that? Well, because they want the food to last on the shelves for a very, very long time. So to do that, they got to sterilize it. Do the same thing to most of the pet's food you buy in the store too. That's why your pet needs a supplement of its own. And that's why they need rough greens. Now, maybe you're wondering, hey, all right, so it's got the nutrition and I can put it in my pet's food, but I don't know if my pet will like it. Now, our dog Cap loves this stuff, but maybe you're not sure about your dog. One way to find out. How about we give you the bag for free? For nothing. Just give it a shot. All you got to do is pay for the shipping. Other than that, the 14-day Jumpstart bag is free right now to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that's 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's get to Theology Thursday. And I mentioned last week we're going to spend the next few Theology Thursdays with things that are a little bit more encouraging after some really dark subject matter Uh, that we had to delve into in recent weeks. And so last week it was uh, the redemptive ending of my new book, or most recent book, A Nefarious Carol. This week I want to share with you a message that was uh, preached at uh, my home church here in uh, Des Moines, suburban Des Moines, just a couple of weeks ago by a gentleman named Ricky Jenkins. He's the pastor of Southwest Church at Coachella, California. And he was visiting our ministry, stepped in for our pastor who had who was on sabbatical uh, with his wife and delivered a sermon that when my wife and I walked out of there, we thought, wow, a lot more people need to hear that. And then, bing, you know, I got a platform that could help a lot more people hear that, right? Hey, I know a guy that's got one of those things, right? Yes. So we're going to give you that encouraging word. Here's part one. I understand you're in a new series called I Just Want to Be Happy. And I don't know about you, but I want to be happy too. And I think that's a wonderful way to inaugurate this brand new year that we're in 2021, the unexpected ways of Jesus Christ. And as we get ready to wrap our hearts and our minds around Matthew chapter five, verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Truly, we can celebrate this notion that Jesus Christ, as he lived those 33 years and as we we continue to, to, to live out his witness through the gospel today. We can say that Jesus was unexpected. And I want you to hold on to that thought before we jump to Matthew chapter five. Jesus truly in and of himself was unexpected. Think about the context surrounding the life of Jesus born uh, here in the heart of Palestine amidst Roman oppression, this, the world standard for the picture of success in Jesus's day was to be a Roman uh, male because women had no voice. 
Uh, you were appraised highly because you had Roman citizenship and you were upper middle class and you might have had a harem of women. You might have had a wife, but you were looked at in the world in those times as successful because of the number of women that you could accumulate for yourself. And success was deemed if you had a house full of sons who would carry on your name and enter in Jesus Christ, a carpenter from a podunk town called Nazareth. Jesus was chaste and single, and he was childless. He was everything that the world said was not successful, yet this chaste and childless Savior becomes a champion through this gospel kingdom good news of humility and vulnerability and love towards all people. And it's just this reminder as we near to the text today, Valley Church, that Jesus became a triumphant champion through ways that were unexpected for the world. And maybe that's what it looks like for you and I today, to not pursue the expected routes of success, but those unexpected routes, the same which Jesus prepared the way before us some 2,000 years ago. And so we celebrate today, hear it, a Jesus that really stuck out in culture. He never did assimilate to it. He stuck out in culture. He never really assimilated to it. And so the application for you and I, 2000 2000 years later, is that maybe we are to copy and paste who Jesus is and what Jesus did into our own lives to truly acquiesce to that place of happiness and fulfillment and joy that Christ has for each and every one of us. I just want to be happy and you can find happiness and wholeness by following Jesus in every way imaginable. Go down with me to the Sermon on the Mount where we've been for the last uh, couple of months and, and hear now the word of the Lord coming from Jesus. He is sitting seated on a mountaintop and there are plausibly hundreds upon hundreds of hearers who are listening to this carpenter uh, who seems to be delivering to them the oracles of God. And in so doing, Jesus says to us these words, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. I have read from the greatest book ever written, and I bear witness this day that all of its words are true. I am uh, a pastor, not your pastor. But as we continue to walk through and march through uh, this unprecedented year of ups and downs, of chaos, of unknowns, allow me to pastor you for just a few minutes, Valley Church, and I promise I'm gonna preach to you in a few moments, but it's just no way to say it other than saying we are in an unprecedented cultural moment. This year has been what we call back in my neighborhood growing up in Pearl, Mississippi, cray cray. (laughs) This, This year has been off the chain and I know we've all felt it intimately on some level, but allow me to encourage you that even though we're in a, cultural moment whereby we are in this sensationalized, tribalized, politicized culture. And as a result, we're all traumatized. Don't let it get to you. And I want to give you three encouragements before we kind of jump off into the text, because I realize that as we continue to navigate this culture whereby Jesus calls us to stick out like sore thumbs, right? Not to stick out, but but to not to assimilate to culture, but to stick out in it. And he calls us, even in the midst of all this craziness, to be peacemakers to the glory of his name. I realize that there's not really a sense of mission for all of us. It's really a sense of misery. 
because things are not going the way we thought they would go. Things are not working out the way we hoped they would expect. Yet Jesus calls us to be missional in that moment, but too often we feel that misery. Let me give you some encouragements if that's you today. Three reminders. Number one, God will help us navigate this cultural moment. God will help us navigate this cultural moment. Let me kind of drop it to you frankly and say it this way. Uh, 2020, 2021 may be your first rodeo, but it's not God's. God's been through up and down, politicized and uh, sensationalized and tribalized moments before. And the same God who navigated those seasons for Christians past is the God who will help navigate that season for Christians present. God will help us navigate this church, this cultural moment. I just remind you, Valley Church, that ours is the God who parted the Red Sea. Ours is the God who crumbled Jericho's walls. Ours is the God who made the deaf ears to hear and the lame to walk and the blind to see. And as if that were not enough, ours is the God who mounted a cross called Calvary. But three days later, he rose again. And I bear witness that that same resurrection power is alive and well today to help you navigate this cultural moment. But secondly, I want to encourage you before we go to the text by saying this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is ripe for this cultural moment. Did you hear that? The gospel of Jesus Christ is ripe for this cultural moment. Regardless of what kind of season our culture finds itself in, the solution for the problems and the remedy for the ills of society is still this gospel that says that Jesus Christ saves, he delivers, he heals, and he sets free from all our sin. And when you put all of your trust and faith in Jesus, you can know perfect peace, happiness, and eternal life. And I just want to remind you that we don't need a new plan. We just need to keep following the old one. And I bear witness today as we continue to navigate this season of unknowns that the gospel of Jesus Christ is ripe for the times we're in right now. This is a gospel that's ripe for liberals and conservatives. It's ripe for the rich and the poor. It is ripe for these lives matter and those lives matter. It is ripe for those who say wear masks, who so for those who say don't wear masks. It is ripe for those who vaccinate. It, it is ripe for those who have nothing to do with vaccinations. Wherever culture may be, the gospel is ripe for this moment. You and I have what we need to get through the current storm. God will help us navigate this cultural moment. The gospel of Jesus Christ is ripe for this cultural moment. And then the third encouragement, I just want to remind you, let me preach to you for a little bit. God's kingdom will win. God's kingdom will win. Folks, I've read this book from cover to cover, and it says, in the end, we will win. There'll be some ups and downs and some rough spots along the way. But the day is coming when Jesus Christ shall return to the earth. And my Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will win. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It doesn't matter what a particular administration does. It does not matter what state legislatures write. It does not matter what happens with our economy. We can rest assured that Jesus Christ is in control and he is sovereign with the capital S. And on the other side of this, we know there is victory. Even amidst the 
ups and downs and the turbulence of right now, be rest assured that you can move forward with a confidence and a peace that we will win. I grew up uh, being forced to read uh, voraciously. My mom forced us to read all the time. In fact, every two weeks we had to go to the public library, literally check out 10 books, read those books, and then give an oral report to my mom before we would be allowed to go back to the library and re-up on our books. And so we were reading these stories all the time. And I began to learn that, man, it was hard to keep on pressing through the book when the protagonist was going through a tough time. And so whether it was little Jimmy who had the big bad wolf or little Susie who was going through the crux of her life, I would have just quake, just quake in my soul for all the trepidation that my hero was going through. So I developed this habit that when it was hard to press through the book, I would press pause on the chapter that was difficult to read. And I learned this habit of fast forwarding to the last page. And then I would look Valley Church and I would see those familiar words and they lived happily ever after. And now with this reassurance of what the future predicted, I now had the courage to go back to that present chapter. And it didn't matter from that point on what kind of trouble that Johnny or Susie went through because I knew that in the end, they will win. Ah, God told me to remind you that we may be in a difficult chapter, but when you fast forward to the end of the book, it says that Jesus Christ is coming to reign and to rule on this earth. And because of the assurance of that last page, you can go back with confidence to this page of your life and press forward knowing that God will win. Now let's get to the message. (laughs) I want us to unpack what Jesus here is talking about when he says that one of the paths to happiness in our life is to live out our mission to be peacemakers in the culture. He says to us, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. I want you to go with me to the classroom for a few minutes and I promise we're going to church. But when we look at this word peace here in our Bibles, Matthew chapter five, we're reminded that the New Testament is originally written in a language called Greek. Original Greek, that word peace is a Greek word, irene. Uh, but the Hebrew origins of the word is the Hebrew word shalom. Uh, Shalom, okay? Uh, The idea of peace in the Jewish concept was drastically different from our normative cultural concept. The idea of shalom and the idea of peace in the Jewish concept was this. Here's the definition. Peace meant this. It was not just the absence of all conflict, but it was also the presence of everything good. Did you hear that? The concept in the Jewish mind of peace was not just the absence of all conflict. It was the presence of everything good. This kind of compounds upon our own understanding because the average person today would define peace as just being the absence of conflict. We're neutral. There's no war. There's no conflict. There are no problems. No, the Jewish concepts stretch our notions of peace to not just say it was a status quo and a neutrality and an absence of conflict. No, it was the presence of everything good. So the idea is that we're not to be satisfied with neutrality. 
and status quo, but we are in our lives and in our relationships and in our parenting and in our church connections and in our marketplace and in our neighborhoods, we are not just to be satisfied that there's no conflict, but we are to bring to bear this kingdom renewal and this gospel message and this hope upon our relationships and in our interactions and our situations of our life. The idea of the text is this. Jesus, when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's saying Christian people are action people. That's the tenor of the text. Christian people are action people. We don't just prevent what is bad, but we are constantly looking for nooks and crannies and opportunities in our friendships and in our relationships and in our places of work to bring to bear that which is good, which is the hope of the world. Anybody smelling what I'm stepping in? It's this idea that the gospel calls us to intervene into culture and improve it and cultivate it and, and, and manifest God's goodness in it and make it what God God hopes it to be. That is our job and culture. We're not just to prevent what is bad, but also bring what is good. Now, hope, you're theologically with me thus far, because this idea of peacemakers in scripture that God calls you and I to is really what God has already done in the ministry of Jesus. Because this idea of making peace, not just taking away bad, but bringing what's good, that's the gospel. When Jesus comes and he dies for our sins, what was really happening beneath the covers? When he died for our sins, he is removing, he is, he is creating an absence of conflict. There's now no longer any sin against God. But how many of you know that when I come before God, if I want to be reconciled with him, if I want to be seen as one with him, if I want to be approved and accepted by him, it's not just good enough to have no sin, but I also need to have everything good. My Bible says that Jesus didn't just take away my sin, but he lived 33 years of sinless perfection. He lived a perfectly righteous life so that when God sees me and he, he knows I put my trust and faith in Jesus, he can now clearly see that my sins have been taken away, but all my righteousness is now just added. That is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus, because of him, I have no sin and I have full righteousness. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that Making peace is not just taking away what's bad, but it's also bringing everything that's good. Now, with the 10 minutes I got left, what does that look like? Intervening in every nicks and crannies and the opportunities of life uh, to, to bring about that which is good in this crazy cultural moment we find ourselves in where culture is sensationalized and tribalized and politicized. And here we Christians are called to make peace in it. What does that look like? Uh, three things I think that may help us today as we, as we bring an answer to this question. How do we become peacemakers in the culture we live in today? Three reminders, Valley Church. Here's the first. If you wanna be a peacemaker for the sake of the gospel, number one, I wanna encourage you to keep gospel convictions. Keep gospel convictions. I say that because if you're new to the gospel, new to the Bible, new to church, you hear this idea of, of peacemaking and the tendency is to hear peacemaker and think pushover. Right? Like the, the tendency when you hear peacemaker and the kind of culture we find ourselves in, the tendency is not to, the tendency is also hear, to hear peacemaker and, and also hear pushover. 
Okay. In other words, we just kind of assume that this call to be a peacemaker is just to kind of blend in and harmonize things and never really offer solid pushback against the craziness of the culture. That is not what it means to be a peacemaker. You have to keep gospel conviction. See, the culture doesn't just need love. The culture also needs truth. And last time I checked, according to what's going on in the news, we are the only ones seemingly left who have conviction and truth. So I just want to remind you about Ephesians 4, where Paul calls the church to show up with truth and love. In other words, it's not enough to have love and harmonization in culture, but you also have to bring conviction and truth to it. Okay, culture needs truth. So remember Warren Wiersbe's words when he said, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. And my point is this, you have to have truth. Somebody has to bring conviction to culture. Somebody has to bring an ethical standard to culture. Somebody has to bring truth to culture. Somebody has to look at culture and look at all the crazy things are happening and say, that is not good sense. That is a, there's a better way to live your life. And God calls us as peacemakers to do that. We have to bring standards. We have to bring ethics. We have to bring morality. We got to keep that in mind because a culture without foundations is a culture that is doomed to falter and fall. Truth is everything. And we're in a postmodern culture now. In fact, I think sometimes we're in a post-postmodern culture. What do I mean? It's the relativization of truth. Like truth used to be standard. It used to be absolute. And now truth is whatever you want it to be. Right? Like you hear it in phraseology in the culture. Well, that's, that's, that may be your truth, but that's not my <laughs> truth. Have you ever heard that? And so, you know, hey, for thousands of years, this has been a bottle a cup, a, a holder of liquid. It is, a, it is a cup, okay? But in 2021, what's the, what's the language? Well, it may be a cup to you, but it's not a cup to me. And I'm like, foo-foo, this is a cup. You don't get to change the fact that that's a cup. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? You gotta bring gospel convictions. And so when God gives us those moments where we have to say, this is marriage, We've got to bring that truth of what God biblically says marriage is. When God says, this is my, my definition and my design for how sex is to work out in the culture, we can't be mamby-pamby, thumb-sucking Christians. Someone has to be willing to say, this is the conviction of the gospel. This is the truth of the gospel and bear witness to that in our culture. So you got to keep gospel convictions. But the second point I think is one of the most important and often too lacking because some of you resonated with everything I was just saying, but you may not resonate with this because the idea of being a peacemaker is not just keeping gospel convictions, but is also having gospel conversations. Having gospel conversations. For too long, Christianity has been concerned about its stance as opposed to its stand. We've been too concerned about having the truth codified, printed up, and published instead of also having those moments where we vulnerably sit down with our neighbor who doesn't look like us, act like us, think like us, or vote like us and have a gospel conversation to try to find a common ground through the blood of Jesus Christ. Anybody hearing me? 
you gotta have gospel conversation. Now, where is this coming from? Let me just kind of drop some news on you. Uh, culture is officially post-Christian. America is post-Christian. In fact, we're getting close to post-post-Christian faster than what I ever thought. The laws that are being written today, the decisions that the Supreme Court is wrestling with, the things that state legislators are state legislatures are working on are the stuff that I thought we weren't going to kind of get to until the 2040s and 50s. But that stuff, and we all know this, is happening now. We are post-Christian. America has become a non-Christian place. And you may not like that, but it's true. We are, and look at every Pew report, look at every major survey, and it will tell you that Christianity in this country is decreasing. In 1950, the average Christian person in the world was a white, male, middle-class suburbanite near some U.S. city. Fast forward 70 years later, the average Christian in the world is a peasant woman in Lagos, Nigeria, or a student in Seoul, Korea, or a teenager somewhere in Latin America. This is no longer the epicenter of Christianity, which means we can no longer assume that people think what we think and people know what we know. It means we got to get out there and have conversations to present that truth in conversation conversation, to call for that standard in conversation, to call for this right way of doing life in conversation, because we can no longer assume that they know what I know and they believe what I believe and they think what I think. So my mentor, Reverend Dr. Greg Waybright used to say to me, Ricky, when we see things go awry in culture, we must always be disappointed, but never surprised. And that's my lament for too many Christians. We're surprised by how jacked up it is when there was a whole book that wrote and predicted how jacked up it would be. So God says, don't be so dismayed that you delete yourself out of the picture, but introduce yourself with humble conversation. We got to keep gospel convictions, but we have to have gospel conversations. And let me just say it this way. To have a gospel conviction and never have a gospel conversation is a gospel crime. You got to have those conversations. It's part one of the message that we're sharing from my church that was preached by a guest pastor, Ricky Jenkins, a few weeks back. So we're sharing it with you here on Blaze TV. Uh, radio and podcast. You know, March is National Crafting Month. There's a lot of things going on in March. Uh, and Andy's Kit Club is celebrating with a 75% off creative offer with fun, creative hands and use of imaginations and something other than screens for your boys and girls. Uh, that's what Andy's Kit Clubs is all about. The perfect subscription for boys and girls. And yes, they they still believe in those things there. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club for the boys, uh, a monthly subscription that puts real tools into your boys' hands, starting with great that great kid-sized hammer, which boy does not want a hammer, right? Uh, every month, uh, he'll receive uh, an all-in-one woodwork- woodworking kit with the materials and the tools that he needs to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And then Annie's uh, Creative Girls Club uh, sends you two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions that will kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. Help your kids develop actual skills that'll help them in the real world New crafting techniques that express their creativity. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. That's A-N-N-I-E-S. So your kids, your grandkids, if you're looking for a different kind of gift, annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. Save 75% off your first shipment today at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve.
Any quick thoughts on part one before we do part two here after the break? Well, I certainly understand why uh, you were impressed. Uh, there's a uh, note, even though he's uh, he's got some warm fuzzies to him, there's a no-nonsense, uncomp- uncompromising dedication to the truth in all seasons. Um, and th- there's a lot of ways that can be communicated. Uh, style is important. Steve talks about it all the time. It is broadcasting. You want to get as many people as you want to, but his message is uncompromising. Yeah, and just the just the wrapping your heads around. I, I think a very very uh, important part of what we just heard was wrapping your your heads around. We still have these balkanized enclaves in the United States that I think give some of us a false picture of what our country actually is and has become. Uh, unfortunately, and that is he called it a post postmodern or a post post Christian society. I think that's a very important thing to understand because it it changes our per- perspective for the better. For the better, we'll come back part two of the message, and then we'll play three questions in response to it. When we continue with part two of Theology Thursday here in just a moment, stay tuned. One thing we learned this past year is uh, taking better care of your body is really the best health care uh, th- th- that's out there. Uh, and some of the things that we used to know um, are still true, even if they are forgotten. You know, vitamin C, D, those things are still good for you. Um, where do you get that stuff, though? A lot of times, um, fruits and vegetables. You don't have time maybe to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. That's where uh, something like our, our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, they come in with Field of Greens. It's packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables, plus other natural ingredients like ginger, beets that help with your overall health profile as well. It's a powerful combination that helps everything from heart health to healthy immune systems, metabolism, blood pressure. Even digestion. I mean, the the GI is the largest immunity uh, component in your entire body. So that's where the pre probiotics you need. They've got that too. Just put it into any a scoop, into any water based drink, mix it up, and you are good to go in that one serving. You're going to get more fruits and vegetables, things that are good for you, than most Americans are going to get in a day or more. All right. So go to BrickHouseSteve.com and give it a shot. 15% off your first order today. When you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, they've got it in multiple flavors now too, at BrickHouseSteve.com and use the offer code Steve at checkout to get that 15% off. BrickHouseSteve.com with the offer code Steve at checkout at BrickHouseSteve.com. Let's get back as we continue on. Uh, Ricky Jenkins uh, was a guest pastor. My home church here in suburban Des Moines recently gave what we thought was a fantastic sermon. My wife and I walked out of there and thought, man, even more people need to hear that. And the light went on and said, yeah, I, I could maybe help with that. So for this week's Theology Thursday, we're sharing his message. And here's part two. So I want to be a peacemaker. I got to keep my convictions. I got to have those conversations. And I'm saying that if you're faithful to that, at some point in time, you'll enjoy gospel reconciliation. When you work hard in culture to plant these seeds of conviction and conversation, there's fruit on the other side of that seed. Enjoy gospel 
reconciliation. There's something that happens when we get out of our comfort zones and we decide that, okay, on this Thanksgiving dinner, I know Uncle Ned is going to be going off on Uncle Joe because he's a liberal and they're a conservative. They're, these lives matter. They're those lives matter. And they're vote like this and they're vote like that. And they're wear a mask and they're don't wear a mask. And I'm just going to be quiet. But when we faithfully and humbly just say, God, please help us find a place of oneness in this conversation. And you faithfully bring to bear the third way of doing life, which reminds people that God doesn't ride the backs of neither elephants nor donkeys, but God is the lamb. You remind them that there's a peace that passes understanding and there's a path for us that only bears witness to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Every now and then a heart gets moved. Every now and then a mind gets changed. Every now and then a relationship gets formed and you get to enjoy gospel reconciliation. But Ricky, you don't know my family. Ricky, you haven't seen the folks at my job. Ricky, you don't know the kind of neighborhood I'm living in, but I want to encourage you, never judge a book by its cover. You never know what's on the other side of a conversation when you stand up and show up to say, God, help me make peace in this moment. Never judge a book by its cover. Stories told of a woman who had to drive uh, to a rough part of town and take care of some business uh, a torrential downpour starts, so it's now raining, and she rushes out into the parking lot. She's soaking wet, uh, but she's going to her car and shocked to realize that she's locked her key on the inside of her car. Uh, profusely now uh, raining upon her uh, her face. She's soaked. She goes back and she looks and scrummages and finds a coat hanger and she unwinds it. And here she is uh, just trying to stumble around and, and get this hanger inside of her car to get her key. She is failing at this. She's never done it before. She is flustered and frustrated. She is a woman of faith and she kind of looks up into heaven and says, God, you got to help me. Just a few minutes later, there comes this kind of hoopty of a car, just this broken, busted uh, pickup truck. And apparently this man notices that she's in trouble and he walks up. This man uh, was huge. Uh, huge uh, muscles, and he had on uh, the blue jean vest, and he had on the, the skull rag tied around his head, uh, fearsome beard and tattoos all over his body, just looked like a, a mean and nasty guy. And he comes up to her and he says, ma'am, do you need some help? And she says, well, can you break into my car? He says, sure. He gets the car hanger and he's in there in about 20 seconds, gets her keys, and there she is. She is overwhelmed with joy. This man that she never thought had any kind of potential, she's now jumping up and down and she reaches across and jumps up to his arms, hugs his neck and says, thank you. You are the nicest man in the world. To which this man replies, no, I'm not. I just did two years in jail. I just got out today. And I went to jail for being a car thief. The woman jumps back up to his arms and jumping up and down, she looks up into heaven and says, God, thank you. You sent me a professional. You never know what's on the other side of a conversation. That the same person that you were ready to delete from any potential to find any kind of gospel oneness sometimes becomes the very person whose heart gets touched, whose life gets transformed, all because you were willing to stand up 
and be the peace that passes understanding in their lives. Uh, scholars have forever debated um, the veracity of the Sermon on the Mount. Is Jesus prescribing that this is how you're supposed to live right now? Or is he fancifully looking towards what life will be like uh, when the kingdom fully comes? Is Jesus saying, you got to do this now? Or is Jesus saying, I'll help you do this later? Now, to be sure, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is giving to us the ethics of the kingdom. This is how we are to live. But the Sermon on the Mount should feel so impossibly doable that upon hearing Jesus's words, blessed are the pure in heart and love your enemy. And even if you commit adultery in your heart, it's the same as when you've done it physically. You ought to be able to hear the Sermon on the Mount and your takeaway ought to be this, God, there's no way I can do this on my own. And if you feel that today with the challenge the Holy Spirit has given you, I've come to tell you that's exactly where God wants you to be. To recognize that save God himself and power and indwell you with his spirit, there's no way you can even eclipse the beginning of what it means to be what God has called you to do and be. And so if you're needy today and if you're wondering today, you're right where God wants you and you're just a prayer of faith, a way to say, God, you don't call the qualified, but you qualify the called. You have called me to move forward in the culture to be that peacemaker for others that you were for me. But God, I can only do that in your power. So God, would you grant me to be a peacemaker in my marriage? Father, would you help me to be a peacemaker in my parenting? God, would you help me to be a peacemaker in this relationship you've called me to? Help me to be a peacemaker in my academia. Help me to be a peacemaker in my business place. Help me to be a peacemaker in my neighborhood. And Lord God, we'll be careful forever to make your name famous as you empower us to do that, what we've been called to do. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon each and every one of you and, and bring you peace. Peace. For this blessing, we ask in the name of our Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's Ricky Jenkins. He was uh, a guest speaker at my home church uh, where my family attends a few weeks ago. And we were just so encouraged by this that we thought we'd share it with uh, everybody else in this audience as well. And it's now time for three questions. Are we going to do the intro or just? Absolutely. All right, let's do it then. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. All right, three non-political questions on the Steve Day Show, small group edition. I figured that'd be somewhat appropriate. <laughs> nice. After yes. what we uh, just watched, all three of these questions are something you might hear after dissecting a message at your local small group in your church. Question number one: Is it possible to be a peacemaker on Twitter and social media? If you, I would say yeah. If you follow the the path that he articulated. 
Um, I mean, I just go back to the first hour, what I said about uh, Rachel Levine. I mean it. He needs counseling and repentance and redemption. He also needs to be in a prison because he's guilty at the very least of a malfeasant form of political corruption. If not, um, he aided and abetted the deaths of elderly in Pennsylvania that he reinfected with COVID. And if you are involved in a negligent, it's a negligent death of another person. What's the word we have for that? Guilty. Uh, murder. The murder is, de- is the negligent death of another person, meaning a death without cause, not self-defense mm-hmm. uh, or the defense of others uh, or the innocent. So uh, you have to be able to do both of those things at the exact same time. And, and I think that's a heart issue. That's a motivation issue. And I think most people just either want to fall down on the let's just condemn everybody irrevocably or let's condemn absolutely nothing, uh, no matter how irreconcilable it is to anything that's worthwhile in the world. And I think that's a false choice we got to reject, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, the first hour of our show or any conversation we have with other people. You absolutely can. Uh, But that level of conversation sometimes takes a level of pointedness that is confused for you know uh cruelty but listen twitter and social media it is a a rock fight no matter what any christian um, brings to the table but amongst us uh, particularly amongst us those who man some sort of christian and or conservative post and we just saw this now with Christy Gnome. You know, there's, you need to cut to the quick. Make the main thing the main thing. Gospel convictions, gospel conversations. So, of course, you can be a peacemaker, but it's by not accepting false premises. And that just means making some people uncomfortable. What's the best thing he did there, though? You can be uncom- make people uncomfortable and uh, be a peacemaker. In fact, I don't think there's any way to avoid that. Yeah, yeah, you can make people uncomfortable and still love them because mm-hmm. we confuse in our culture uh, giddy feeling with I'm being yes. I'm being uh, nice affirmation or I'm with affirmation with yep. love, and that's absolutely not the case. And I think what, with whatever communication or whatever forum you are in, you have the opportunity to be a peacemaker. But it's it's love. It's not the it's it's not as we say. It's not the feeling. It's the motivation. What is what is your motivation? Um, I love the uh, Warren Wearsby uh, quote that he threw in there about um, truth without love is uh, hypocrisy. Or no, uh, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is um, hypocrisy. hypocrisy. Yeah, uh, that's that, I think that's the key there. Uh, question number two: What's the biggest barrier you have in having gospel conversations, as defined? In the message. We're running short on time, so I'll give a very short answer. My ego. Hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, not having enough time that you, you, the unpacking of the flawed brokenness of people, it, it, there's just more time than the, the circumstance you have to deal with it. Say probably, uh, probably the, the circles that I run in. I mean, I, I'm not real. I'm on this show. I'm at home. I'm, uh, I'm not really uh, in public that much. That's kind of a me problem, though. Uh, question number three: If we're living in a post-post Christian culture 
as he says. What does a post, post, post Christian culture look like? Uh, we're about to find out. Um, but it looks pre-Western civilization. Druid. Uh, apocalypto. Um, I mean, I put out a picture of abortion instruments just a little while ago during the break. I mean, those those things are from a horror film, and they have killed multitudes more people than ever in one day than every gun owner and every AR-15 ever has combined. Okay, so uh, a post. The next stage is you're looking at apocalypto. You're looking at druids. That's why I use the term pagan a lot. That's why I use the term um, spirit of the age. We're talking a pre-Western civilization understanding of human existence. In the uh, conclusion of uh, our upcoming book that Steve and I did, uh, the jails are being emptied for one thing and being replaced with another type of person. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I think post, post, post Christian America either looks like Christian America or what you guys just just described there. In other words, revival or bust. In other words, revival or bust. Yeah. All right, coming up in the over that was the we had to three. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Coming up in the overtime, we are gonna discuss finally a Supreme Court verdict, some ju- some judicial supremacy that I can get excited about. I've was I've I've been hoping they were gonna do this for the last 20 years. But now the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has finally decided to step to the gun owners. And it's long, long overdue. I'm very excited about this. Because now we're getting to a place where, hey, now, you can't take those away. Well, why can't they? they they're just, they're the Supreme Court. They're the law, right? They said they could. And now we get to a place, it's the same conversation I've been trying to have with the pocket of America I can reach with my platform for the last 10 plus years. But... It's in a practical way that's going to speak to people, even though it's the same principle. It's in a practical way that's going to speak to people in a much more personal way. So we'll get into that in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. In fact, we're done here in about a minute. And we're going to stick around and record that for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one, that's where you go to get a discounted subscription today at blazetv.com. Um, am I supposed to be hearing music? I think so. Okay. Are we just about out of here? Yeah. Um, give it another 15 minutes. Oh, there it is. Uh, there it is. All right. So we are out of here. Tomorrow, it's the Dace Group, Feedback Friday, and more. Hope you enjoyed the program. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.